Hey, what's going on? It's Geraldine from The Story Weavers here. I'm so excited that you're here. You know, it's funny how many times, how many days in your life do you use your voice? For how long, right? I mean, how much are we actually using your voice? And would you say you're using your voice every single day? In every conversation, we're homeschooling, learning, working, whatever we're doing, when we're doing all kinds of stuff, yet we never take the time to actually train it. So I was just on a call with a great friend of mine, Amanda, and I love to exchange ideas and stories how we use the different tools we use at the Story Weavers in their homeschooling. So for example, this month, the kids are developing their own podcast or video episode. And one of the things we look at is the tonalities of the different voices. And this is the story she told me to get more attention and engage her child. So she asked her child, does she actually hear her sometimes? Because it seems like, you know, it's just like a filter where you don't, where the child doesn't hear us. And she said, the child said, yes, I actually don't hear you sometimes. And so what she started doing is playing with her voice. She, sometimes to get her attention, she would say, you know, change her voice to, hey, I'm talking to you. Or if she would pick up the puppy, they have an amazing, gorgeous, corgi puppy, and would be like, you wanted to go out with me twice a day. I really have to go out and pee. You know, it's just making it fun and engaging and have, using our voice on so many different levels. And that got me thinking, well, we want to learn our kids that it's not just what you say, but how you say it that's just as important. And that means, you know, working on intonation and volume and pitch, among other things. And you, yet what we normally do, the normalist or oracy skills that we built out is like a week's course that you have someplace and you put a focus on and then you kind of forget about it. But you would agree that our voice, we use our voice a lot more than we use our biceps. And for people who want to train their biceps, they don't just check a video or a book on how to train their biceps. They don't just analyze two, three times how one feels when they train their biceps. They actually train their biceps daily on a weekly level. But no one's training their voice. No one's doing anything for their voices in, in homeschooling to that extent. Not adults and not kids. So what if we would focus on underlying uh, what you would do our whole homeschooling this week as a focus, as a challenge for you, that underlying no matter what you do, you reflect a couple of times per day, even once per day, how do you use the tone of your voice to engage, to have someone pay attention, to, to uh, get more involved or agree with you? So at Berkeley, for example, they made a study because teachers asked if she changed her tone of voice, would her students feel more involved in what they learned? And the results? Well, the students actually started asking more questions. It, it's having a talking voice, not at their level, but with them. And they have the opportunity to interact with you in the learning process. She added, if you can show your students the real you, your real voice, that's where you make the connections. So what we're going to show you today here did not originate in classrooms. You can look it up, tones of voices. There's a lot of great activities from theaters uh, to change different, you know, your cowboy voice or, you know, just change your voice completely into a different characters. Uh, there's, you know, read the emotions of others that you can find in the internet. What we're looking at is what most very high speakers, uh, highly paid speakers in the world don't even know. Like it, this is taught to adults because at every level we can improve on whatever skills the kids learn. The kids learn tonalities of voice. So how about we role model that, how important the skill is by 
finding a nuisance, a new level, and actually training it ourselves in our homeschooling. One is they will automatically receive a lot more nuances. They will understand why it's so important. And you actually bring it into your everyday life. So it's not just a practice you do once on a piece of paper and then you forget about it. I will come more about examples of who actually uses this. So today we're going to look at five of the most important tonalities that will help you and show you how to use your voice to engage, how to modify your environment. So without you having to get the scripts right, <laughs> without you know getting all the lines right, without having you use, having to use all the words correctly, as you see by me, because sometimes, let's be honest, we fumble over words, I do. Sometimes we're not always witty or funny as we want to be, and sometimes you just don't know the right words to say. But I know if you have the right tonality in place, you can still get the desired result you want. If that's attention, if that's engagement, if that's agreement, you can still get a whole lot more just with your tonality. You can still trigger the right emotion in your child for that positive emotion, for example. And that will lead to a win-win situation that will lead to the result that you want in that case. So, all right. Now, before we begin, a couple of things. We have to clean up here. Okay, so number one, when I show people this, there's usually two types of people that have responses. There's like the majority of two. One of them, which I'm hoping is gonna be you, is gonna be like, yes, oh my God, I have known this my whole life. That is such an important skill. I just don't know how to do it, but if I knew it, then my communication skills will be so much better if I had just known them. And I know from experience that this is the case. We'll come back to that in a moment. So, you know, if I only knew these things of, of my voice, how to get excited, make it really intuitive, you know, and then they go ahead, these types of people, and immediately practice and involve it into their everyday learning. So we practice using them. We show our children how valuable these skills are to have and because we use them, we can make it personal for our kids. Use it and then it makes more sense and you can actually personalize it to your own child. That makes sense, right? Now, there's a second group of people and what I call the I know, I know, people, right? So we have so many different things to learn in homeschooling. It's, that's not a judgment, that's just a fact. Uh, there's so many, so many things we could do in our homeschool and still that we, we want to do. So we have a lot to do, I get that. What my aim is with today's communication idea of tonality is is to focus on your tone of voice, to see it as a foundation, a foundation building that you build your other programs on top of it. Tone of voice is the foundation that you have to how you do math, how you do science, or interlock or play. That's It's the foundation that the others are built on because communication is the core. Or you can spend a designated 10 minutes per day focusing specifically on this task, for example, while reading a book or watching or listening or discussing or giving a comment to your child, interacting with your child in any way. So if you might be one of those, uh, use these tonalities. How could you make it more nuanced? How could you use it in your homeschool to have your kids more engaged with learning or pay more attention for whatever results you would like. So I'll tell you a quick story. A couple of years ago, I was in Munich on a stage and I taught them 
the things about vocal tonality. It's kind of what we do at Story Loopers, right? You buy our programs, you invest in yourself and your kid, you put your trust in us, and we always make sure to continuously over-deliver for you and your child in every humanly possible way. We want to make sure we engage your child in discussions. And for this month, as they create their video or podcast episode, well, let me ask you this. When was the last time you just couldn't listen to someone because of how they said it? Did it, or did your child ever trigger you? Not because of what they said. They maybe even could have said, I'm sorry, but it was how they said it that just triggered your buttons. So while I was on stage, I would say about 94% of the people in that audience were enthralled by it. But there was a small group of people, I could see it on their faces, that were like, how dare you? How dare you, Geraldine Schmidt? How dare you challenge me to upgrade my voice? Do you know whose voice this is? This is my voice. This is the voice of my child. My mom and my dad gave me this voice. Don't you dare ask me to change my voice or should I then be somebody else? Like, this is not me if I don't use the voice this way. And in that situation, I always ask people the same question, which is, how do you know to talk the way that you talk? And their face goes blank like this. They think about it and they realize, shoot, I don't know how I learned how I talk the way I talk. Like, I don't know how that happened. And the truth is, we all just learn that when we're younger, we pick up, you know, our voice. We went through puberty. We picked up the voices that was most comfortable and familiar to us. Not necessarily the one that was going to help us become most successful. And that's when we stick with it and we just never change it. Except maybe if you're a singer or an actor. Because just no one comes on the top of the mountain back and is like, here's the secret, here's the actual pattern, why you need to know this beginning things. When I started professional horse riding, I went in the best of my field because they could see and explain patterns that others could not. They could explain why we would do this exercise all the way down here when you're just starting out or when you're starting a horse out because they knew how this connects to the end goal up here. That's the difference. And that's why, FYI, at the Story Weavers, we just work with the industry professionals in writing that actually use and get paid for these skills in writing and speaking because they can see patterns that all the way at the beginning of our kids who are learning to write and speak on more and more advanced levels, they see patterns that normal people just don't yet because they haven't reached the mountain yet. Anyway, I'm drifting off. I'm glad. ADHD, go! <laughs> I'm glad. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm glad that we're going to do this for you now. So, to give you some ideas before we do that of how, how important and powerful these voices are, um, I want you to understand just how much more important this is, if that makes sense. For instance, after giving me this speech, I had six people come up to me and be like, do you offer coaching on this tonality thing? I need this in my um, company where there were CEOs uh, or team leaders. So how to lead my team, for example. Well, or at home, it helps me in moments of, I just don't want to go out with my dogs or interrupt my own behavior of getting frustrated um, to then become creative with my voice or simply to have more fun and engage in a story together. This is extremely valuable and information that you're about to discover that you're about to learn right here. Okay. Okay. Well, 
What if you went over a topic and the child said, you had me on the edge of my seat the entire time? And that's what happens if you have a powerful voice. All right. So now I know you know why it's important. But I'll tell you before we get to the five tonalities, here are three examples of people to show that it, at every level you can always find a nuisance. You can always find the next little distinctions of what you can practice. No matter where you are, you can be anywhere on the scale and yet you'll always have something to work on your tonality. So, because this is not new, this is just new to most people. Okay, the most successful and powerful people in the world have known this for many, 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 many years. Just how important and powerful the voice is. And they just didn't just know it, they trained and worked at it. Winston Churchill would practice his speeches for hours. Not because he was trying to memorize it, but because he wanted to get the tonality right on each of the words in each of the sentences. Margaret Thatcher, who came after him, was the prime minister in the UK. She actually took voice vocal coach training for many, 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 many years, private vocal coaching, just to work on her voice because she knows how important it is. Leonardo DiCaprio is famous for having this kind of obsessive mentality with mastering his voice and his tonality and the tonality of all the different characters that he goes on to play in his movies. So, are you beginning? Ready to begin? You're fantastic. All right, so let's start. So again, five tonalities. Here's number one. We call it bottled enthusiasm. Okay, bottled enthusiasm. Now, this comes down to the big difference between, like we know in influence or persuasion or any conversation, it's always important that you bring enthusiasm to the table, right? Enthusiasm is contagious and no one wants to buy a product from someone who just doesn't seem excited about what they want to convey, what they want to sell, what they, they are offering new to the place or what you want the other one to persuade. Even if it's a vacation to Alaska instead of Hawaii. And I love both places, just FYI. Okay, so, of course, whenever you're talking to someone, whenever you're with your child or the boardroom or with your partner, you're always yourself. You're, you're always selling yourself. You're always uh, conveying ideas on others. And if they're not, if you're not enthusiastic about yourself or your life or your idea, well, why would anybody else be enthusiastic about that, right? You wouldn't. So we know it's important. Enthusiasm is important. Okay, but, here's the but. I am a very enthusiastic personality. Noticed? So when someone gave me this tip to be enthusiastic, what happens is I would be out of control. It's what we experience with our overexcitable kids. It becomes too much. You, yes, I could say it's full of abundance, who I am. And by the way, FYI, I love myself and and this is me. I'm a very enthusiastic person, and that is fine. And I know out of experience that if we want to communicate with other human beings, if we don't bottle the enthusiasm, people don't listen that much. If we do bottle our enthusiasm, and I will tell you in a moment how to do that, then people will listen to us more. So, our children who are over-excitable, over-enthusiastic, where, woohoo, you know, everywhere, it's, oh my God, it's so cool, you gotta see this movie, it's just awesome, you gotta go there right now. Um, subconsciously, the other person thinks you're out of control. And when someone's out of control, we don't trust them that moment. And when kids learn this, 
now ready through us. If kids already know how to bottle their enthusiasm to the degree that it's passionate and it's controlled, then they have the power and they have the persuasion of other people actually listening to them. Because if you can't control or subconsciously, people think if you can't control yourself, how can you trust someone in that moment who can't control themselves? You think that they're just really super emotionally charged up. They're not really thinking it through. They're not being real about it. And I've heard this many times in my life where people either told me the one or the other that, you know, you just didn't think this through. If I presented ideas in this form with my enthusiasm, with my natural enthusiastic way, either they would say, you're not thinking this through or you're not being real about this. You're not, you're, you can't be real. You can't be, and it, this is no judgment on the personality. This is just how people listen to us better. So, so what we want is to be super enthusiastic. We want to be able to push and project our energy and our enthusiasm out so far that we're still in control. We want to be able to do it in a controlled way. We want to be enthusiastic and have control at the same time. And when you do this, it's like taking all of that energy that we have and harnessing it in a tight space. So it's super intense and it transfers to the other person. And that's just get when they get swept away with the emotion enthusiasm. So I'm going to demonstrate this for you, of course. Okay, so too excited would be, you know, bye, you gotta see this hiking trail. It's so beautiful when you walk up there and it's, it's like, you see the scenery, it's gorgeous, it's Indian summer out there, so, you know, you just gotta go now. You know, that's kind of out of control enthusiasm. Well, if I control that enthusiasm and it's like, I love that hiking trail up there. It's so good and it's the best scenery that you've ever seen. I really think you should go see it, right? So the energy is still there and it's, but it's focused. It's bottled enthusiasm. It's that I saw the same change now with, I'm sure you've seen the change, right? Between over the top and being really specific about it. And by the way, this is completely real, honest, and authentic. I'm all charged up right now and because it's bottled enthusiasm. But if I said it in a way that the whole time would be bottled over the top and so awesome, and I could do this all day, even if I'm exaggerating now a bit, but I'm pretty sure most of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It just doesn't get through. You don't hear what I'm saying because you're distracted with me being out of control. Or at least that that person appears to be. Okay, so that's tonality number one, bottled enthusiasm. And what I would do every single day is focus on one, choose one of these five this week. And then you, if you choose one this week out of the five, and the first one as we just looked at is bottled enthusiasm. Choose one and lay it under the foundation of whatever you do. So instead of being over the top, enthusiastic, this is bombastic, this is so awesome, you bottle it to be focused. You could still feel the same energy, but you bottle it and make it very specific so that you can say, this is so awesome. Okay, tonality number two is what we call the secret whisper. Most of you know it, I know, but I have to mention this and let's take it to another level. Let's take it to another nuisance, this uh, not nuisance, 
uh, another distinction of how you could apply this in your homeschooling this week. So what the stonatalie is, is it implies that you have a secret and there's some kind of scarcity at play. So I'm going to demonstrate this for you right now and I want you to actually think about it where you could use it in your homeschooling. We know that scarcity is one of the most powerful human motivators on the planet, right? And if you've read Robert Cialdini and his great book of influence, it's one of the six weapons of influence is scarcity. And in his book, he shows scarcity like urgency that we talked about earlier in all of these ways. But you can actually also use scarcity in your tonality. And that's when it becomes powerful. So when you do it, when you're talking like you want to imply scarcity, you just calmly whisper and see what happens is your child starts to lean into you. I just actually did this yesterday with a work on me session with the kids and I first used the bottled enthusiasm and I and you're engaging, right? You're normally, you're looking at the child and all of a sudden you lean in and you start to whisper and they start to lean in because they're like, do you know something is coming up? I don't know how good you can hear me, so I'm not going to do the whisper too much. <laughs> but you're not used to someone talking because every, everyone talks at room temperature, right? Most of the time we're talking at room temperature. This is, it's the normal level most people talk at. But when you're talking to someone and they're speaking with you and they're looking at you and all of a sudden you just start to whisper for one second, it implies that there's a secret, that there's some scarcity, and you just got to hear it right now. And it triggers the sense of urgency that it's, this is valuable. I need to really lean in and pay attention to this. So that's another tone of voice that instead of saying, you know, this is your last chance, of course, this is a bit aggressive. It feels aggressive. This makes me uncomfortable when I say it. It's, it's yelling, uh, just to compare it to the other side. Um, no one wants to be yelled at like that. But if you're different and calmly say, this is your last chance, this is your only chance, then it has a whole different effect. So when you come in with this tonality, it changes the whole game. Probably, I'm guessing, who can feel the difference here? Who has used the, this tone of voice? Who's ever watching? That would be cool. Let's have a discussion. I always love stories. So that's the secret tone. Let's talk about tone number three out of the five we're going to look at. Tone number three is what we call the certainty tonality. Because everyone knows when we feel certain. I'm actually going to introduce that by telling a story. I was sitting at the dentist. And by the way, I really don't like to be at the dentist. And it was a new dentist because I just moved to, to the city. And so the dentist came in and he's like, Hey, Geraldine, it's, it's good to meet, meet you. And I'm like, Hey, it's, you know, good to meet you too. And she's again, cracking up her voice the, t so the whole time with what, what can I do for you? You And what can I do for you? You know, let's look at you. And she said it in a way that my mind just like, okay, I don't really trust this person. I don't really want her looking at me. And in about the 10 minutes that we had conversation, and you know, at the dentist, it's wonderful to have conversation when you have your mouth open. But her voice continuously cracked, and she always had an aura of uncertainty, even though she was late in her 50s. She had, I'm sure she has a lot of um, professional knowledge behind her, because when I talked to her about very specific things, she, she knew what. But just because her tone of voice was uncertain, was uncertainty, it lo I lost trust in her. Uh, does that make sense? Did you ever experience that as well? Like, I heard her talking to other assistants, and then she spoke fairly normally. It was just that this lack of 
tonality, this lack of certainty. I, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure. And it made me not trust her. So if there would have been a problem with my teeth, I'd probably went to a different dentist and be like, I want to get a second opinion just because of the tonality. So imagine if you're talking to people and you were communicating this uncertainty. Yeah, tone of voice is important because that if you're communicating uncertainty, then people don't trust you. And I know we're not always certain. In homeschooling, we're not always certain. We don't know what we do. But that's the difference between you can be certain that you'll figure it out. You can be certain that your kid will always find a way to figure it out. And you can be certain in that. Because as soon as you come from a place of fear, of uncertainty, your tonality will reflect that. And that actually is what pushes most people automatically to the defense. That is what people then don't listen to you because you sound different. You, you know, you could just try it right now at home. If you're really certain, think of a time when you're really certain and then how you would you talk then, right? Versus when you're uncertain, then, you know, you sound differently. So, and what I, what if all those things could be changed and removed and improved in your life immediately if you just switch from something of that uncertain tonality to become a more certain tonality? So I'm going to give you an example, of course, of how it looks like when, <laughs> okay, first of all, a bigger comparison again, how people think about the tonality of certainty. They're going to be like, yeah, I'm certain, I'm certain. I'm, this is me, you know, so certain. Right now, I'm a 10 on a scale. That's not certain. That's being, again, out of control, unbridled. It's like uncorked enthusiasm again. You're like a champagne bottle that just keeps exploding all over the place. And you can't find the center. It's like, or my child would say, you're like a Coca-Cola bottle that you put a mint inside of it. You know, you, you just explode, explode all over the place. But uncertainty is like if you crack up a lot or if you're on the other side where you're just too loud all the time that actually tells you that you're uncertain or just being crazy just kidding <laughs> okay so certain tonality is calm it takes pauses it's clear and articulate so if you want to say something like you're going to keep right. You're going to keep going, right? But I was going to say that with certainty. It would sound more like this. Just one second. You are going to keep going. Nothing is going to stop you, right? So it's strong and positive and strong and positive. Strong and positive, it's calm, but it's certain. It makes us feel safe. It makes us feel like we can trust this person. It makes us feel like this person knows what they're doing. And that's the kind of people we want to listen to. And that's the kind of people that wins us over. So if we teach this to our children, how they can have a tonality, how they can watch out of for tonalities that bring certainty and not uh, uncertainty. How they can make pauses, not just because it sounds better and that's when we should breathe, but it also will give them more of a charismatic leadership uh, style that most people will talk, will be listening to them. Because if I talk really fast and, and you know, I'm all over the top and it's going to be so cool. This is really enthusiastic and I could be all like this the whole day, but you're going to be like, whoa. Most people do not talk like that um, or will listen to that. And this comes out of my own experience that toning it down 
and being very specific in a presentation at key moments to pause and with bottled enthusiasm like we talked before say we're going to do this and you're all certain and focused or on key moments that's what we could work on this week as well so you could already choose between are you going to work on bottled enthusiasm or are you going to work on what I just said, which I have completely blacked out right now. Ha! Certainty. The tonality of certainty. Okay, so let's go on to the next one, which we're going to call the Q-Tone. Okay, this is a funny one. And it's super powerful, of course. And it's super subtle because you get people subconsciously agreeing with you and saying yes without them realizing that they're doing it. And by the way... If you're listening in, if you're listening in and at any point you, for example, hear sales presentation using these tones, now they're, now you know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Leva. That's, that's exactly, that, that goes exactly in the same moment, right? Pauses are so powerful uh, or else if we don't emphasize specific notes, then it becomes a whole whoosh, right? And it's the same theory in communication, in using your tonality. So maybe he, when he speaks and makes his presentation, he could actually uh, make an analogy to his music. Ooh, I love this. It's so interesting. So the Q-tone. Um, it's an assumptive tone where you take a de declarative statement that you do, but you tone it up as a question at the end. So as a declarative statement, it's just, um, it's just a sentence, a firm sentence. So something like, um, you're going to take huge action. That is a declarative statement. You're going to take huge action. But if I went to make it a Q-tone in it, and I want you to get more consciously invested uh, and agree with that. I'm not just going to say you're going to take huge action. There's going to be a, an assumptiveness behind it, like you're going to take huge action, right? Uh, like you're going to take huge action, right? Uh, there's, it's just you assume they're already going to say yes. And in many, we just watched a college film the other day, and a lot of like teenagers who who are in a clique and want to persuade the other, they mostly do that. You could literally hear it in their tone, automatically assuming like you're in, right? Um, and then you're pulled a lot more into that. And the good thing is, if you know this, if you know because of this tonality, you're pulled to be persuaded, your mind can actually then go, no, wait, I can decide do I want it or not, but I'm not just going to be pulled in. So... What I'm implying is that when you're automatically thinking that they'll agree, the other person does tend to automatically agree, right? So you're going to take, <laughs> and it's so simple, it's, it's, it's a little twist of automatically assuming the other person says yes. And because that short circuits the other person's brain, uh, they're not feeling like someone is telling them but they're actually asking them. And that's the difference also in Socratic method. If you, if you ask a question, you get a lot less pushback than if you um, make a statement, right? Go clean your room. Do you want to clean your room now or in 10 minutes? Uh, that's, uh, that's a tactic uh, Love and Logic uses for parenting. It's the same. You go ask a question instead of making a claim which you can't control because go clean your room you can't control do you want to walk to the car or will i carry you you kind of have control and they feel like everyone calling um, and they feel like they have a choice so they're much willing to comply with you 
Now, I feel like you probably begin to see all the different areas of life that you can be, that these tools, these tonalities can be effective and efficient for you, right? So the one thing that I will warn you when you use these tones, of course, and I don't have to tell you, but just to mention it, be ethical about it, because a lot of people then say yes to things. Um, <laughs> and just to mention it once, because always when it's around influence and persuasion, that always has to be noted in a side sentence. So, all right, I trust you, haha. So that's the kind of voice. So I know you wouldn't be here. What's going on? Everyone's calling. Sorry, guys. Okay. So, well, number four is the Q tone. So that's already number four. Number five, and I hope you've decided which one of these tonalities you're going to focus on this week to practice yourself, getting yourself to see more and more distinctions. Because when you do it, and you do it on a different level, automatically your child learns it. And they see how important the skill is. Even if they're at the beginning learning more basic tonalities, they're going to see how important the skill is as you're still practicing them at every stage. And this is the truth. Most of these tonalities, professional uh, speakers, professional politicians, uh, actors use and practice so many times. Like you see in very good people who sell things really good, you will see these tonalities come up. Okay, so the last one, the hypnotic tone. This one is more from a hypnotist, uh, but the hypnotic tone is, again, it's powerful, and you'll see it once, you know, you understand it, the, the tactics behind it and how it, how it sounds, because it works best in conjuncture with what we call future pacing. Now, future pacing is simply when you're talking to someone, but you paint a picture of the future for them as you're speaking to them. So if I tell you that, one second. Whew. So if I'm telling you, you know, that we're going to do, and when we're finishing filming here, let's go to the beach down there and we're gonna walk on the beach and we have the, the white sand beneath our feet and the ocean next to us as the beaming sun warms our skin and shines down on us. And as we're walking there on the beach, there's going to be this little girl come up to us and she's going to be selling bracelets and she's going to try and oversell for $5. $5. That bracelet thing is worth more than one, isn't worth more than $1. And we're going to get into this little negotiation with her, but she's a good negotiator. So, we got to be careful around that one. And eventually, you know, we'll come to the price. It'll be about $2. And we'll take the bracelet. We'll both get matching ones. So it's about $4 total. And then maybe we'll go on a walk and walk a little further on the beach. And we'll put on this thing, this Mexican food place, actually. I note down there and we'll grab, we'll grab some delicious quitos or tacos and... When I'm talking to you about that, you had a picture in your mind of that whole scenario. That is me future pacing you. Okay, so what I didn't do there was I used a little bit of hypnotic tone, but not a ton. Because it's hypnotic tone is where you find this kind of calm, rhythmic tonality that you just kind of start to speak. It, and you don't stop at the words, just kind of keep coming at the same rhythm and the same tonality, at the same pace, coming from the same person. And as you hear that hypnotic tonality, your brain can, if it wants, to begin to just calm down and you feel the sense of calm in your body and you're watching me on camera right now and you notice that things really are good for you in life and you really do have the opportunities that you want and there's all there waiting for you. And in fact, there's almost begging you to take action. They're waiting for you. They are responsive to you and only you can, because your opportunities like that right there is the hypnotic tone, every calm, same rhythm, same cadence, not too high, not to low.
it just stays there. And as I'm doing this, what it does is the other person just kind of transcends out because you're describing this futuristic thing and then this future pace thing to enslave a picture in their mind and you're not drawing them in in any way. It's very subtle and the future pacing is such a powerful tool. When you're selling someone on a product, you want them to imagine themselves using the product. If you want to imagine using this on your child when they're learning, it can be very powerful to future pace them how amazing it will be once they get started going out with the dogs and they see us laughing in the snow and telling pictures. Okay, so this is, it's so powerful because if you try and future pace someone, you can be all over the place. You're going to be able to have them picture it because they're not going to be calm. If they're not calm, they're not relaxed and see the picture in their mind's eye. So you want them calm and relaxed. So when you do the hypnotic counting, so that's how hip, hypnotists actually put you to into a trance because it's always the same and then your mind drifts off and sees the picture and that's how they put you into a trance. So if you're maybe, for example, you're trying to get your family vacation and right there, there's five of you in the family and you want everyone to go to Bora Bora this year and they all want to go to Vancouver for some reason. Well, using this hypnotic tone, paint a picture of how amazing the trip would be for each of them in Bora Bora um, and how it could work doing that in the hypnotic tone, make sure that they really envision that picture and it looks good in their mind's eye. Then you got them and they're going to say yes. This is kind of similar just to link up everyone at the story weavers that we've been doing with the descriptive language. Remember the descriptive language challenge? that you describe a picture. Well, this goes in a similar direction of you describe a future scenario. So that's the hypnotic tone. That was the fifth tonality. Um, here's what I want you to do because there's one more thing I want to share with you. Most people are going to ask, how do I practice this stuff? How do I make this automatic so it's not something I have to think about all the time that I go to talk, but it comes automatic, installed, like a natural behavior of mine. And here's what you do. You, you choose a book or an audio or, you know, whatever activity you choose. And you just take a paragraph and you read that page with one of those tonalities. That's it. Or you go into an activity and specifically make yourself a note or something that triggers you to remind you to now use that tonality. So for instance, maybe we're choosing bottled enthusiasm. So pick a par paragraph and just read that with some enthusiasm, that excitement, that it's controlled and contained excitement, okay? And do that for the day. And then on day number two, either pick another tonality or for the best thing, just do one tonality the whole week. And after, after this week, we, were, we will focus on either another tonality or simply we will move on to next week's topic. But that one tonality, you will have new distinctions for that and that will become automatic. You will start seeing how instead of, you will start seeing yourself, how you will go into a whisper every time you want their kids to lean in and make it very interesting in that second. So just do not be one of those people who watch it and don't apply to it. Promise me. That's not the Story Weaver's way. We want to take action for our kids because again, if we learn it, if we show them how important it is to learn the basic skills of practicing your tonality, because even as an adult, even us in every form, 
we can always find new distinctions and fine tone it even more. That's how important it is of what they're learning. So, and that's how you get, they get along with you because you build less resistance as well by applying different tonalities. Like you get to use different characters. As Amanda said at the very beginning of go into different characters, try if they react better. If sometimes you go in this tonality and really fun or really down and really a whisper. So if you're happy, say yes, comment down below, say yes, I'm going to do it or right below, comment down below which one you're actually going to choose of the five that you're going to practice. And of course, there's all kinds of other different tonalities that we will teach right inside the Story Weavers. So if that's something you've looked at before and it's something you're interested in, then definitely DM me or us anywhere at Story Weavers or email at support at storyweavers.com then there's, you know, there's a reason why homeschoolers and pro athletes and famous CEOs and all kinds of communication experts choose to come to the Story Weavers and call it one of their best programs in their lives. And they say that because they actually, we actually use the writing and speaking tools they learn every single day, that we use every single day of our lives to solve conflicts, to persuade others, to discuss and argue with others because that's what communication is actually for. It's not just a worksheet. Because they notice how much their presentation becomes because they actually get results and the kids know how powerful their voices can be to build confidence in their voice. So again, how often do you use your voice? We use it every single day. We use it all the time. And it only makes sense that we want our kids to learn and use these language arts as a foundation of how they talk, write, and influence. So that's what the Story Weavers is all about. So if you're interested in that, email us at support at storyweavers.com so we can talk to you privately and see if you're a good fit. And we'll get started right away with that. I wish everyone else an amazing day. Thank you so much for being and listening right now. And we'll see you next time. If you have any questions left, then comment down below and can't wait to talk to you soon. Bye guys.